This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Mary Pass, because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is another fellow truth seeker who challenges conventional views about 9-11, Mars, chemtrails, anti-gravity, and other controversies. Andrew Johnson will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory of shows, the Veritas Private Chat Room and the Manticore Forum. Just head on over to our website, VeritasShow.com, click on subscribe and take Veritas with you. And don't forget, we are still selling the 8GB brushed metal case USB drive containing all of Season 1 and a lot of bonus material, like FBI and CIA, the classified files on Tesla, Von Braun, and Einstein, UFO government files supplied by Sergeant Clifford Stone, 
a lot of survival ebooks, and all the music for season one. Check it out. Go to the website, VeritasShow.com, and click on the Veritas store. You will see how we filled this futuristic device to the limit. And if you need to get in touch with me, go to our website and click on the contact button or on Facebook. And to those who are submitting guest suggestions via email, I'm no longer accepting guest suggestions via email. Why? Because they get lost with the number of emails that I get on a daily basis. Instead, there is a guest submission form at the forum, which also is a benefit to members. Only members can submit guest suggestions at this time. And now, get ready to challenge conventional wisdom by discussing areas that mainstream media is instructed not to cover. Why is information and the truth covered up and muddled up, especially in relation to 9-11? Why so many thousands of pilots flying every day have not commented on chemtrails? Why is the EPA and other worldwide environmental protection agencies ignoring independent tests on air and water quality? We will also be discussing the 2008 incident where BBC cameras filmed two Swedish sisters throwing themselves into traffic on the M6 in England. They survived and threw themselves into traffic one more time, were hit and survived again. This is one of the most bizarre stories you will ever hear. This and much more with Andrew Johnson, who's coming up next. If you want to believe, stop this audio now. If you want to know, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Most of the great music you hear right here on the Veritas show is supplied by the independent artists from Jamendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, VeritasShow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases, right there at Jamendo.com. This is Dr. Judy Wood, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Andrew Johnston grew up in Yorkshire, England, and graduated from Lancaster University in 1986 with a degree in computer science and physics. He has mainly worked in software engineering and software development for most of the last 20 years. He has also worked full and part-time in lecturing and tutoring in adult education. Now he works for the Open University, part-time tutoring and assessing students, while occasionally working freelance on various small software development projects. He became interested in alternative knowledge in 2003, soon after discovering Dr. Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project. He has given presentations and written and posted a number of articles on various websites about 9-11, 7-7, Mars, chemtrails, and anti-gravity research, while also challenging some of the authorities to address some of the most compelling data that is available. His website, www.checktheevidence.com. And directly from England, I would like to welcome for the first time on Veritas, Andrew Johnson. 
Hello, Andrew, and thank you for being on Veritas. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Mel. Thank you very much for asking me to come on and speak with you. It's my pleasure. And Andrew, here's why I wanted to have you on the show. You are good at seeing how everything fits together, and especially how the cover-up works and how it is held in place. Tonight, I want to talk about all of this and how to get people to see through the games. Our survival may depend on our ability to see what is going on. You have experience with assessment of students and also computer programming experience. Put those together and you have someone who can draw a flow chart of how things really work. But first, Andrew, give us some background of yourself, where you grew up and what circumstances motivated you to research all of these topics. Okay, yes. Um, you know, it's one of those things, following on from your introduction, I think, it's almost like life prepares you for certain things. And I feel that I've been prepared for this time in my life. Um, you know, the things that have happened to me and the sort of things I've ended up doing seem to have guided me to this point. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in a, in a large family. So, um, you know, I'm the youngest of nine. And uh, that kind of set me into a position of where um, I had a lot of people sort of telling me what to do and, and what to think. And, <laughs> you know, they'd, they'd done all, all the things before I had. So they'd, you know, been to school, they'd uh, gone to work and, and done all these things and and told me that life was like this or life was like that. And um, so I, I I was kind of mentally sort of uh, fighting that in some ways, I suppose. Fighting is not qu quite the right word, but I, I wanted to find my own way through things. And I think I did do that. Um, for example, the sister and brother above me, they went to a particular secondary school. Um, but uh, from what I heard heard them saying, they, they didn't really think it was that great. So when my mum gave me the choice of which school I wanted to go to, I, I, I opted to go to a different school, uh, which was a, um, a grammar school, as we, as we call it here. Because I you know, managed to sort of do uh, the pass the test to get to the grammar school so i went to that one and um so you know i i i'm sort of sort of from a fairly modest background we we you know essentially call it as a working class family here in this country the expression that we would use um and um i developed an interest in computing um and i my brother and me built my first computer when i was 16 It was called a ZX81. It was one of the first uh, computers with, uh, I think it had four silicon chips in it, and it did everything that a computer should do. Um, and um, by the time I'd started university, I'd already sort of taught myself how to program this thing, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'd even sold some of the programs that I'd written to somebody who'd advertised uh, for, you know, wanting programs to distribute on a, on a tape. Uh, you know, and they gave me some royalties for those things, um, for the programs that I wrote. So I'd made an early start on that. And um, this know, is I, what I just, year? This was in, um, the, the, we built the computer in 1981. Right. And uh, then, then the, I got the second computer the following year, which was a more advanced version. And then I went to college in, uh, I went to university in 1983. Um, which kind of expanded on what I'd already taught myself in many areas and added a few new areas. Um, so that put me into a sort of technical sort of background, really. You know, I'd, I'd always been interested in science. 
um, you know, whilst whilst all that had been going on in my life, I'd um, also had a my first uh, sighting of a what we would call a UFO. Obviously, um, when I was um, about nine or ten years old, and I'd seen these two star-like objects performing, you know, sort of aeronautics around one another, uh, and that was that was um, just when I was coming out of a, a youth club that I used to go to. And there was another witness, my friend actually witnessed the same thing, and we both saw these little starry objects flying around in the sky. And, I, you know, at that time I knew it couldn't be a planet or a you know, meteor or a shooting star or anything because I'd read a few books on astronomy, some children's books, you know, and, uh, and it was perfectly comfortable at what I'd seen. Um, so I suppose certain parts of the stage were being set for fairly early on. Um, I ended up going in, as you mentioned in the introduction, into uh, software development, mainly working in uh, sort of microelectronics-related software, which is uh, sort of things like uh, worked on a, a robot controller for a factory robot. Uh, that was one of the first projects that I worked on, uh, developing some software which controlled the uh, motor uh, system of the robot servo control system. Um, and then I moved into telecommunications uh, for a couple of years, and we were working on a. It was really an, an early, early sort of system which um, did what's called packet switching, which is essentially what uh, the internet runs on now. It's a, it's a process of what's called packet switching at one level, um, which is what's behind the uh, you know uh, internet, the internet protocol. Um, and then, I, and then I moved on um, to. Um, a project developing a telephone, an advanced digital telephone, and we worked on that for about four years on and off. Uh, that that project never succeeded in the end for various uh, reasons. And um, then I moved into the area of computer graphics uh, for, a, for, for a couple of years. No, that was actually a year. Um, and then I moved into mobile data, which was using uh, PDAs. Uh, personal digital assessment assistance and that sort of thing um so and it was involved that's when the gsm phones started to come in around 1995 1996 when the gsm phones were becoming prevalent so i learned a bit about mobile phone technology at that time and how they work um and um uh, you know, I'd, I'd had another UFO sighting in 1990, an unusual thing, which looked actually looked like um, uh, a luminous insect. But I, I did, I, that was in England, and we don't really have any luminous insects in England like the one I saw. So I, I don't know what that was. Um, it was way off in the sky as well, not down, not down near the ground. Um, and um, so it was really probably then 2003 when my next uh, sort of uh, thing came about, which was discovering the Disclosure Project, Dr. Stephen Greer. And um, having seen this, um, you know, I knew, I absolutely knew there was a UFO cover-up because to have an event of this scale, uh, which I only discovered in 2003, which was, of course, two years after it had happened. It was just about two years uh, after it happened. I discovered it in May 2003. And I went onto the BBC website and I'd searched for this disclosure project. And I did actually find an article which was headed uh, UFO Spotters Slam Cover-Up. And that was the title on this very short, glib BBC article about the Disclosure Project press conference. And I hardly con considered uh, some of these witnesses uh, UFO spotters, you know, these people who'd been working in an underground bunker 
um, checking that the uh, the Minuteman missile was ready to uh, wipe out a Russian city. I'd hardly call this sort of person a UFO spotter. You know, it was a bit more significant than that. So you can immediately see, A, that this wasn't widely reported, certainly not in this country, and B, when it was reported, it was re- essentially misreported. It was misrepresented and, and essentially misquoted as to what it actually was. And this is one of the key things where the media um, kind of get away with what they're doing um, in that they misquote, misrepresent and omit things. And in, 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 when you look at it, it's actually quite skillful the way that it's done. Um, and so... Uh, it was having discovered the disclosure project. I, I made the decision at that time because I knew there was a cover-up that I was going to have to work in my own way to break the cover-up. In other words, it was my responsibility to essentially um, become the media, if you will. Uh, and, and 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 I decided to get myself. Um, you know, I bought one of these LCD projectors. You know, for plugging into a computer. And I already had a laptop because that was I was using one, you know, as part of my work at that time for some of the software development that I was doing um, for, for for other work that I was doing. And I basically downloaded the press conference video. And I it was, uh, you know, the, if people remember this thing, it's two hours long. Yes. And, and quite interesting. But, it, but that's rather too long to present at most meetings. You know, you really want something that's half an hour or an hour. So I um, I edited it down to uh, an hour version and a half hour version, and I took this thing around to various uh, uh, groups who were interested in having a speaker. You know, I, I, we had a local uh, database of uh, you know women's clubs and business retired business people clubs. We call them Probus clubs here, and I wrote to them. And I said, you know, do, do, do you want a speaker to come and, you know, uh, talk about the subject of UFOs as that's what it gets put under? And, um, you know, I probably did about uh, 10, or, 10 or 12 of those. And, um, you know, I, I, I got my travel expenses paid for those on most occasions. And if, if I got any fee for doing it, I would at the time I was donating that to the Disclosure Project because they had a, you know, a donation page. And I thought it was only fair to you know, uh, put some funds back into it to, to, um, to, you know, further its aims. And, um, you know, I probably, I probably, probably did put in about, I don't know, maybe a, over a period of a couple of years, I was doing that for probably 18 months, couple of years, you know, on and off just now and again, and probably got, a, you know, a couple of hundred bucks, something like that over that time and, uh, sent that back to them. Um, but, uh, uh you know, when I was getting towards uh, the end of doing that, really, I kind of ran out of uh, uh, people to show it to locally. You know, I couldn't really travel very far um, because of my family commitments and stuff, you know, because, um, you know, my children at that time were quite young. Uh, they're a bit, little bit older now, obviously, but, um, you know, they had that sort of commitment to deal with. Um, so, uh, and then I started uh, coming across other articles, and I remember reading an article which mentioned this phrase of uh, state, state-sponsored terrorism, and um, I was thinking, oh, what's that? That's that's I've never heard of that before, and it, and it and it highlighted some of the uh, anomalies with the official story of 9/11, and this is sort of probably late 2003, early 2004, or something that sort of time period. Um, and uh, so it pointed out some of the anomalies with the story. And then I think I came across a film by uh, George Humphrey, which was called 9-11, The Great Illusion. 
And it, 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 that was the film that I first saw, which um, showed the, uh, the... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section, or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.